Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. I think that's now consensus. And I think what I told everybody a couple weeks back that when we started to now that our business swallowed the pill, that cuts are definitely coming early next year. The next thing that the people are going to have to swallow is that there's not going to be a recession that happens because of the cuts. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. As always, your host, Maddie Ake, my co-host, my brother, Mr. Ryan Breedwell. What's up, y'all? We are back for another episode of Money Moves. Getting your money moving in the right direction. We cover all things stocks and real estate investing and personal finance to help you on your wealth building journey. If you're new to the show, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you enjoy the show, all we ask, share it with a friend, a family member, one of our clips that we put out or the episode itself. And of course, don't forget to leave a review on whatever podcasting platform you enjoy listening to this show on. It means the world to us. That being said, don't forget to take advantage of your free financial x-ray with Ryan and his amazing team. They will go through with a fine-tooth comb in your portfolio, review it all, build up a side-by-side plan, give you any thoughts, feedback, and it is completely complimentary and free. Yeah. You can take advantage of that by texting the word X-ray to 844-447-1555. And for all my accredited investors that want to get on my syndication offering deals list, you can text the word deals to that same phone number as well. We got some great stuff coming out in 2024 for you guys. And mm-hmm. of course, don't forget to check out the Millionaire Mindcast store, all the show notes. You can check that out at shop.millionairemindcast.com. That being said, we got some good news today. Great news. What came out today that the market is enjoying? CPI was really a nothing burger again on the data. It wasn't up. It was pretty much just flat. But 3.1% on core. Headline was up a tenth of a percent, but the market really shrugged that off because headline is not what they make. But this is essentially as close as inflation has been to their 2% marker that they're consistently holding, getting back to, right? This is the lowest that inflation has gone up. 
in a while. I, Long I think time. I think that's the better way to say that. Yeah, but that still to me tells tells me that they're going to cut hot and heavy when they start cutting. Still about a 40% chance of rate cuts starting in March. Consensus is definitely by May. But if we get better than expected PPI data tomorrow or Powell is overly dovish in his remarks tomorrow, I think that will be something that could lead that indicator to be more consensus for the March cuts. There was even like a few percent chance of cuts happening in January a few weeks ago and that kind of cooled off a mm-hmm. bit. I think that's now consensus. And I think what I told everybody a couple of weeks back that when we started to now that everybody's going to swallow the pill, that cuts are definitely coming early next year. The next thing that the people are going to have to swallow is that there's not going to be a recession that happens because of the cuts. So again, that's going to be the next thing they try to start beating into people's head. But that's I don't believe that's going to happen. We have been hearing more and more people because it's been the talk and narrative for some time. Is Almost two years. Hard landing. Is it going to be a soft landing? Is there going to be no landing? Yep. Now I'm starting to see more and more headlines. This one came out per Axios this last week. Markets say the battle against inflation is over and the Fed won. We're hearing more and more people say they're going to pull it off. It's going to be a soft landing. With everything that's coming out, data, market info, what would you say is your consensus based on where you see things currently and in the near horizon? We still have to get back up to the 4,800 and some change zone on the S&P to get back to all-time highs. And if we can break out above that, think that would be the beginning of a new bull market. We're not going to be in a new bull market until we break above the all-time high. That would start a new cyclical, I think, bull cycle. Can we get there? Absolutely. Are we going to hit 5,000 on the S&P by the end of the year? Absolutely not. Uh, Are we going to pull back to October lows, the 3,100? Absolutely not. I think that everybody who has an extreme view on either side is, is completely wrong. I think what's probably going to happen is we're going to have a good push through the end of the year. We should have a fairly good January. And then we're probably going to see a little bit of volatility in February, which is traditional and and what normally happens. If followed then in March, we can get rate cuts. We would see a huge rebound in the market. That's going to be certain. People are going to want to search to break through an all-time high for it to be something and to hold on. And if we can do that spring to summertime of next year, that should be a really nice setup for 2024. I love it. Now... Hedge funds have had some big targets on their back as of late. We'll talk a little bit more about the recent bill that Dems just put forth. We also saw that hedge funds now are challenging the SEC's new requirement that would force investors to reveal far more about short selling and related stock lending. What What's going on with this kind of spotlight on hedge funds right now? Obviously, They've been driving the market for many decades. They've been the ones that have obviously seemed to benefit the most from it. Is there any traction behind any of these targets? And does it really matter? I think the two things that they're bringing up, the stock selling and then the lending of securities and then the short selling. The short selling is the reason they want that to hide that. So they're going to say, oh, how can we short stocks and protect investors? Uh, if we have to reveal our short positions because then companies might actually do good. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, if short positions are revealed, that'll make it so companies definitely do have to be on their toes a little bit more because they'll know when they're getting shorted. And second to that, it'll make it so you don't have these huge 
crashes in company stock value when yeah. there is something found out. So in t- traditional investors and regular investors don't lose out on their retirement, they lose it on their pension fund, so on and so forth. So do you think it's a, a pro? I think it's fine. Yeah. 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 I'm Usually not a big... the people that are bitching and crying about this kind of stuff are the ones that are... Activist investors and bears. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Mostly activist investors. And, people that and, want to raid a board, take over the... Correct. Yeah, those types of people. I was going to say, for those that don't understand what an activist investor is and why they have maybe the stigma that they have, how would you describe that from your world and your perspective? They're not always bad, but most of the time they are. Yeah. Because there's somebody that... They're usually come- exploiting it with a bad intention that doesn't serve the masses and generally just serves that individual. They play a violin of some problem with the hope and intention of making a quick buck um, or taking over a board seat or forcing in something. There's activist investors that go about it the right way at large companies. You don't really hear about those um, takeovers, but that's what they're normally known for. It's, It's not a good connotation. Now, on the lending side of stocks, I think the only thing that's going to happen there is, and I I haven't read this into the bill, so I'm just going to speak off the hip. What that is, is institutions lending your securities out to be shorted, but they're not paying you a premium when they're making a a, a premium or a charge or a spread they're on that. They're risking your money. They're taking all the upside and you're sharing in none of it. Correct. So they need to pay you, essentially, I think is probably where that's going. And I would agree. And there's some... Um, broker dealers and clearing houses and trade desks and online brokers that already do that. I believe one of them is like Webull. I know that. I don't know. I think that they already automatically do that. You should have to volunteer like, hey, I'm down to lend my securities out to make some income. But yeah, that that would be better if... Same with banks. They should be forced to pay a, a, a percentage of the spread or yield that they're generating with your money so that they are encouraged to do better with it. Mm-hmm. If they had to pay you a percentage of their profit so they're going to lose some of it, they're going to really want to maintain the small percentage that they keep. I, I personally think the more transparency in everything, really, I, I think there maybe are unique and small cases for having privacy. Yeah. But in terms of public markets, public investing, it's a board game that we're all playing together. Every player... The more transparency every player has into what everybody else is doing, I think it levels the playing field a little bit, right? I completely agree. So I think if anything, Wall Street maybe doesn't like this as much. I think stuff like this is a massive win for Main Street and it's, investors. It, it's good for both sides because <clears throat> it keeps bad people out of the bit uh, off Wall Street with bad intentions. And it also levels the playing field for the retail investor, which is always a good thing. And to piggyback off of that, You've got a recent Democrat bill, which is... It's sponsored by... Con- um, Ro Khanna? I thought it was Senator Warren that could, sponsored Could it. be. It, she's it, literally never gotten any bill she's sponsored. <laughs> I, she's not got a good track record of, of zero, success. Zero percent. Yeah, that's not... Fact, not you so can hot. look that up. Zero percent of any bill that she sponsored has ever been through. That is not a good track record. Nope. So I don't know if that's going to do anything. She's somebody that does a lot of statement bills that don't actually have a lot of traction, but she gets them to go to the floor to get voted down. Got it. And what we saw here was the Stop Wall Street Landlords Act, which calls for additional taxes to be placed on institutional investors 
that buy single family homes, while the new bill calls for a complete ban on hedge funds from buying homes and forcing them to sell off and liquidate their current holdings over a 10 year period. I, that is pretty aggressive. I mapped out pros and cons for this because I think it's important for people to look at the overarching picture, right? You always see politicians that always love to go, rich, wealthy, hedge funds, bad, tax them and into the ground, put them out of business. And what they don't realize is they're such critical cogs into the wheel of this overarching machine of what the real estate industry is or what the stock market is or the, the US economy as a whole, right? Yep. And they, don't, they, they truly don't understand why pulling that cog out of the wheel is going to make a massive disruption in so many ways. Are there potential benefits to some of these things and policies? Sure. sure. I think there's arguments that can be made. Right. If you look at some of the pros that I mapped out, which is a big part of what they're arguing is affordability, right? Affordability to home buyers. Well, if you eliminate a massive amount of demand and you don't have as much dollars flying towards the same supply, well, of course, prices are going to come down, but that could also be a, a bad thing. That's a negative as well. That right? also, that means that people's investments that they already have, which just so y'all know, it's 99 to 1 for people who... For institutions that own one less than 1%, but we'll give them 1% versus non-institutional owners of real estate in the United States. Uh, so it's 99% is not institutionally owned. And they do help in certain... In the markets they normally help in are places that we don't want to buy. And a lot of times they're buying to buy portfolios to essentially gentrify small towns and, and get them up. Yep, talking about like in your Texas area, like Round Rock, because there's a Microsoft and Tesla plant going to go there. They can afford to throw down $6 million and, and get a super pad ripping. You cannot. So it, it's this is capitalism 101. If you want to be a capitalist, you have to want to be a capitalist, period. And you can't pitch in when you can't afford to be as big of a capitalist as somebody else, I think. Yep. I think there's way more cons to banning institutional ownership and sorry if I'm pissing some people off of real estate. Because again, a lot of times the things that wouldn't exist, you wouldn't have a lot of real estate investors that want to be laissez-faire mailbox real estate investors that wanted to use your open doors and your your apps. And stuff. Those things can't exist because they can't go out and, and pool people's money to go buy an asset. You have to let a free market be a free market. And 560,000 homes in the United States owned by an institution is nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. A scratch on the surface for how, much, how many other potential homes there are. Then it would almost be like wanting there to be no competition for any asset. So then nobody wants to buy a house. Maybe they don't appreciate as much. It's good to have those type of... But yeah, and if around. you completely eliminate one player from playing the game and it's a big player that actually has some pretty large impacts on the industry as yeah. a whole and ultimately ends up benefiting a lot of people that are playing the game of home ownership or investing in a real estate asset, by removing a massive player like that or massive players like that, 
while you'll get some of the short-term benefits, I think the overall net benefit is actually a loss. Agreed. It's a loss for anybody playing this game as a whole. So you de-incentivize um, while it gives a short hit of dopamine and we won it actually in the long term. I think you end up losing by having that player not in the game. I agree. It sounds good, feels good, doesn't pencil. Yeah, because a lot of the stuff that I mapped out was, okay, affordability for home buyers, stabilizing home prices, community stability, promoting affordable housing. But when you think about a lot of these things, actually hedge funds playing and insulating values, insulating communities, giving affordable housing options to rent is oftentimes going to be a net positive for those communities. And for anybody playing that game, with them in the game than them out of the game. Now, I understand if you have them completely out of the game, really, you're reducing a significant amount of demand Mm -hmm. for assets, which is going to have an impact on values, which is going to intrinsically disrupt the rental pool of what's out there and available, which is going to then swing the pendulum back to impacting the rental market for people who are renters, not investors or owners, which is actually going to make affordability a little bit harder if there's less supply out there. Then you've got economic consequences. You've got legal and regulatory challenges that come with that kind of stuff, right? You open that door of banning one group. Where does that start and stop, Mm -hmm. right? That's a whole nother rabbit hole that you can go down. And then just more market distortions, right? Of leading to unintended market distortions as investors may find alternative ways to play the game. But there's always a loophole somewhere, right? Yeah. To me, it's already a non-issue. It's not swinging the market aggressively in one way or the other. And if it's swinging in any way, it's helping people's equity values be higher and more stabilized and allowing people that choose to, if they want to use a HELOC or tap into their equity when interest rates are a little more attractive, They have that opportunity to. So I just think it does way more good than any bad. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So it'll be interesting to see if they get anywhere from it. But I think we're... I'm seeing more and more headlines like... I saw this article in Medium that came out last week, which fell off. 44% of all single-family homes purchased in 2023 were by private equity firms. I don't know. So there was some further digging around this. That one seems a little bit And this was quote-unquote fact-checked you know, on this Medium article. But essentially, uh, it essentially said that not that many, but still a significant amount was purchased by Invitation Homes, BlackRock, other institutions like that. But Which is not, again, not the most terrible thing in the whole entire world. Worst things have actually happened. When you think about a good chunk of the what transacted this year, which was already at an all-time low for transactions taking place. The fact that they were in the game, still playing the game, was a net benefit to the industry as a whole. Exactly. It was a net benefit to anybody that owned a home and didn't see slippage in their values. It was a net benefit to all the people that wouldn't have gotten a commission or wouldn't have gotten a title fee or wouldn't have got a loan fee or wouldn't have gotten anything because that transaction transaction didn't happen. Now it did. Those are just little examples of how big institutional capital is a key part of the machine. 
the only person I feel like that's mad at this is like in- individual investors that would have missed out on something because an institution Or it's had, people that, honestly, it's people that aren't investing at all. That just want to fucking cry about something Sounds and say the rich guy like is the problem yeah. for their lack of abundance. Finger pointing or investments. And so I don't see this being a bit, but you, but again, the Democrats are running with it and they're introducing bills looking to limit or ban hedge funds. And again, you start doing one thing like that and you give them a little fuel to that fire, they're going to go run with that and continue to cut anybody or anything off at the knees that is in opposition to what their ultimate agenda is. And, And they don't want you to be free, wealthy, financially abundant. They want you living underneath their finger and falling in line and being in compliance with exactly what they say. And so these are little tiny glimpses of what aren't necessarily concerning to me, but it's just interesting, right? They're just dangling something out there, seeing if they can get some traction with it. And if they do, they'll run with it. But ultimately, it's just checks and balances in this democracy, right? That we all say is for the benefit of the greater good. And when you see these kind of policies or bills essentially being introduced, it's always interesting to to me to see where they're trying to attack real estate as an asset or an industry as a whole. Yeah, it is a little bit ridiculous, especially because in the roundabout way, they're just coming at the individual investor still. Yep. Institutions have enough money and means and willpower to make it find a loophole and make it happen. So we were doing some interesting digging on some statistics as well, which I found really interesting what you pulled up. 39.1% of all millionaires in the world live within the United States. So hands down, greatest opportunity on planet Earth to become wealthy, to unlock financial freedom is within the United States. No argument there. Yep. Of the total US population, just shy of 10%, 9.7% of adult Americans are millionaires. That was a one-tenth of our population is considered millionaires. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. I think that that number is a lot more attainable today than it was 10 years ago. Ever. And so... Ever. You think about how much money's flying around now, how much stuff is inflated, just the amount of... What did we say? 39.3% of all U.S. homes are mortgage-free. Yeah. Almost 40% of all U.S. homes are mortgage-free. So you think about how many people are probably millionaires just from... And many of those are boomers, right? Yep. That own real estate that just benefited by being in a hard, tangible asset that benefits from inflation. Yep. And the thing is, the nice the, the children of those boomers, maybe, will inherit the the real estate with a step up in cost basis as long as the the paperwork and the trust and all that goodness is done. But think about the tax revenue that the federal government will have once that step up in cost basis happens, and they get to wipe that. Forget what what prop we have out here in California, but helps people keep their cost basis low if they've purchased properties that are very old. Yeah, on the property um, taxes. Yep. So it's yes, you get a tax free asset, but then you're you also have to reevaluate it at that value. Yeah, that's the benefit for the federal government or the local government at that point. So lots of huge wealth transfer coming. The silver tsunami between twenty third and the twenty thirties to twenty forties is going to be like massive. And to me, it <clears> just <throat> says, man, like one. It affirms that if you live in the United States, you live in the greatest opportunity to go out and make money and to build your wealth and to create cash flow, right? 40% of all millionaires in the world live inside the United States. And when you think about the size of the world and what, six plus billion people, and we're at 400 million in the US, something like that, Uh, give or take? 
Yeah, at least 400 million, maybe 500. Yeah. So let's just go round up and say 500 million out of 6 billion people and 40% of that millionaire heat map is in our 400 or 500 million. It's the fifth highest concentration of millionaires of any country. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast. And trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Anywhere in the world that gives us hope, right? That mm-hmm. you're already, you're playing the right board game, right? And then when you think about and where you're playing that board game, and then when you think about 10% of Americans, adult Americans in the US being millionaires, it's pretty crazy. I'm going to go out on a limb and say 10% of adult Americans who are millionaires, more than half of them are financially illiterate. Oh, yeah. but they're a millionaire for a reason, right? You would be, you would not be shocked. Probably, Probably more. Eighty percent yeah. of them are yeah. not financially literate and playing the game at a high level. But it goes back to that idea of like, just by being in the game, right? Like the worst player sitting on the bench in the NBA, still making money. He maybe isn't making million. tens of millions of dollars like the big boys he's are. He's living, but he's she. in the game. And he's getting rewarded for being in the game, even though he may not be the best skilled player playing that game. Agreed. And so that just should give one hope and encouragement to anybody that is playing the game that if you keep refining your skills, leveling up your network, right, continuing to play the game and elevate every single year and just get a tiny bit better, and you play this for a long period of time, you're destined for big success. The other side of it is if you're somebody, that is listening to this podcast and you're not a millionaire, the 10% of all millionaires in the US should give you hope that if you just get in the game just and you stay a part of these conversations and you keep sharpening your axe, you're just going to fail your way forward into becoming a millionaire. Amen. And I, I again, I just think this next season, this next 12, 24, 30, I really would say 36 months, I think is a really key window for people to add not just 
seven figures to your bank account or your net worth, but multiple, if not tens. I think that kind of opportunity is going to be out there in the, the next few years. I couldn't agree more. And I'm ready for to work with people. And I know you are too to help them get it. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, don't forget to reach out to us. X-Ray Deals, 844-447-1555. If you guys aren't subscribed to the podcast yet, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Leave us a review. Share it out with anybody that you think would get value from participating in these conversations. And if there's any topics, questions that you want to cover or you want to ask us, be sure to shoot those in at 844-447-1555 as well. That being said, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to head over to shop.millionermindcast.com to check out what we got in the store, all the show notes and everything, all the resources, stuff that we talk about are on the website, millionermindcast.com as well. And with that being said, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers, y'all. Peace. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Money Moves. Be sure to tune in next week for more news and updates. And if you got some value from today's show, all we ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're going to get entered into win a $100 gift card. Also, don't forget to take advantage of Ryan's free financial x-ray on your investment portfolio. And to do so, all you have to do is text the word x-ray to 844-447-1555. What we have found by offering this out is most people have no idea what they're being charged from a fee perspective, or really, in most cases overcharged and whether or not their current investment and financial plan is actually aligned with what they're trying to accomplish. And this is something that Ryan and his amazing team do for all of our listeners for free. So be sure to take them up on that. Again, that's x-ray, one word, 844-447-1555. Also, if you're an accredited investor and you're not on my deals list, be sure to text the word DEALS to 844-447-1555 to be notified of the private investment offerings my team and I put out. And last, don't forget to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family at MillionaireMindcast.com. Whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, mastermind events, calculators, the Rich Life Planner for those looking to take their goal setting and productivity to the next level. We've got all kinds of great and valuable tools available at MillionaireMindcast.com. With that being said, that's all for this week. Until next week's episode, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friends.